Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we've been talking through the Beatitudes. Everybody say Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. I had mentioned this was one of my favorite scriptures growing up because uh, when I was at school, uh, at a young age, I believe it was second, third grade, our teacher made us memorize the Beatitudes. And because I knew the Beatitudes, of course, it was my favorite part of scripture. Huh? Isn't that, can anybody else identify with that? Your, the best parts of scriptures is, is the ones that you know, okay? And so... Um, so this was always a favorite of mine growing up. And, but this is, this is often called the, the Beatitudes. It's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. But this is really when Jesus, he ascended into the mountain after doing signs and wonders. He ascended to the mountain and he began to deliver the law of the kingdom. And just as Moses in the Old Testament, he ascended Mount Sinai to receive and deliver the law of God. Jesus is coming and he's ascending the mountain to deliver an even higher law. And how many of you know it's, it's very important that we get back to the basics of what it means to be a Jesus-loving follower? It's, it's so important because it's impossible to walk with him without knowing what he wants. It's impossible to walk with him in, or to know what he wants without giving your heart fully to the precious word of God. Amen. And so let's pray this morning and let's just invite the Lord into this time. Holy Spirit, burn your word into our hearts. Renew our minds. Lead us to Jesus today. And light us on fire as your word goes forth in power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to start Matthew chapter 5. And we've been talking through these. We're going to recap a couple of these. But let's start at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 5. It says, in seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, the, the, we see here right away, verse three, the front door of the kingdom of heaven is being what Jesus calls poor in spirit. The way into the kingdom here on earth and in heaven is by being those who are humble, by being fully submitted to him, and if that is your heart, it is promised that you get to enter into this, the kingdom of heaven, both in this age and in the age to come. How many of you know when you are desperate, you just want more of him? When you are impoverished, right, and you are poor in spirit, you are desperate for more of him. Without him, nothing else will satisfy and so if you are impoverished in your heart, when your heart is crying, Lord, you are all I need. You are all that I want. Right? It's a serious cry. And how many of you know that cry, the Lord is not intimidated by that. The Lord will respond to that cry and his promise is blessedness with this heart cry. Verse four says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I believe this morning speaks of two 
different things. I think number one, I think it's a mourning that your heart has not experienced the fullness of Jesus that he wants you to experience. Anybody ever like that where you're, you come and you spend time in his presence and you're just like, Lord, there's so much more. There's, so, there's, there's maybe even things that I've missed because of decisions that I've made and there's a mourning in that. But it's also mourning in the, in the way of giving God your pain where Jesus understands the mourning and grief that you feel, the mourning and grief that you face. And he wants you to give him your mourning and your suffering. And when you do that, you are giving him permission to do what? To bring comfort. How many of you know if you don't mourn and you bring your mourning to him, he cannot bring comfort to your pain? And so we don't want to fake things. When we come to the Lord, we don't want to pretend, you know, oh, I'm, how are you, man? I'm blessed and highly favored, right? Like, we've got that lingo. But how many of you know it's appropriate and right to bring your mourning to the Lord? When there's that pain in your heart, when we offer that to him, now, how many of you know there's a difference between offering your pain to the Lord and just allowing that to be who you are? Sometimes people will take ownership of their pain and it becomes their identity. That's not the holy way to deal with our mourning. How do we mourn? We give it to the Lord and we say, Lord, I trust you with this. How many of you know it's so, it's so important that we are real with the Lord? He knows. You know, I, I was, uh, there was someone who was sick in my family and we were at the hospital and I was amazed at the level of care that they were receiving. Because they were not only receiving practical care, getting the medicines that were needed, getting the, the treatment that was needed in this case, but to see the nurses function not just in the practical, but also in the comfort. That, that, that they were agents of comfort. How many of you know that's what the Holy Spirit does with us? That when we bring our pain, when we bring our mourning, when we say, Lord, take my grief, take my mourning, he begins to comfort us. How many of you know that's a promise? Amen. Verse five says, blessed are the meek. Everybody say meek. We talked about this last week. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. What a promise. Now, the word meekness means it's pliability, it's humility, it's tenderness in being soft before the Lord. And how many of you have ever met someone when you, you, you engage with them, you saw this mixture, beautiful mixture of qualities of the Lord, and yet there was this gentleness about them? Where you knew that they were, they were disciplined, that there was an authority in their lives, that they were able to lead people, that, that there was an intentionality behind the things that they said and the things that they did, but yet at the same time, there was a love and a care and an availability. Anybody ever meet somebody like that? That's meekness, right? You know, I can't mess with this person, but they're available. You see, why do they do that? Because Jesus is meek. And so they've submitted to that tenderness of the Lord and they're shapeable and teachable. And their promise is this, they will inherit the earth. It doesn't say that the brave will inherit the earth. It doesn't say that the courageous, no, the meek 
There is a special place reserved for those who are shapeable, moldable, pliable, and submitted to the Lord. You see, God entrusts the meek with ruling and reigning with him, both in this age and the age to come. Amen. Now, this is what I want to get to this morning. Verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Everybody say hunger and thirst. Oh, this is good. Oh, we're going to go somewhere. Say buckle up. Tell the person next to you, buckle up. We're talking today about hungry and thirsty, the hungry and the thirsty. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Other translations say they will be filled. In other words, let me ask you this. How many of you here today had to make a sacrifice to get here? That's probably most of you. It wasn't convenient for you to be here. There were other options. There, were, there are other things that you could be doing right now. Maybe you, your car broke down or you didn't have a ride and rather than taking the week off, you made arrangements to get here. Or maybe you had to pass dozens of other churches on the way here because you know the Lord has called you here and you sacrifice the convenience of just going anywhere and being obedient to the Lord. Maybe your kids, any parents out there, made it a little bit difficult to get ready this morning and you were doing everything you could not to lose your mind and just get here at a sensible time and not interrupt and yet you pushed through and you showed up. Or maybe there's people in your family that dislike that you're here and have made, even made a mockery of your love and devotion to him, and yet you still come to get a touch from him. You see, my hope is that if you are here today, you're here because you want to receive from the Lord. And it, how many of you know it is his joy to honor and bless that? If you are here and you're saying, I want more of him. I want a touch from him. I'm here to tell you it's his joy to respond to that. Now, how many of you know you can be present, but you're not there? Where you can be very casual about who's in the room. One of the worst things that we can do as believers is to become familiar with his presence where we take him for granted. And we don't come hungry and thirsty and because we aren't hungry and thirsty, there's nothing for him to fill. And we leave church and, or we leave times or moments and, or maybe even our morning devotions, right? We leave our morning devotions and we're like, I didn't get a thing. But we weren't really hungry. We didn't really want him. We just wanted to go through the motion. We wanted to be a good Christian. We want what? Fill in the blank. How many of you know there, there's a difference when you are hungry? Amen? 
Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, if I find myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. Now, I'm no C.S. Lewis, but I think I, I could make it a touch better. I was made for another person. How many of you know heaven is only heavenly because Jesus is there? You could go to heaven and you could have all the angels. You could have all the saints. You could have the prophets from the, from the Old Testament there. And you're like, hey, what's up, Elijah? Uh, I, I like your sash. Um, but where's the Lord, right? Or you see the angels in all their glory and you're like, man, Gabriel, you got it going on, but, but where's Jesus? How many of you know heaven is only heavenly because Jesus is there? And there is a, there is a desire that we must have for him. I've said it before and I've said it the past few weeks, but no matter who you run into, everyone is looking for him because he's the only one that satisfies, amen? There is a God-shaped void in our hearts and only Jesus can fill that void. And so Jesus is touching on this. He's saying, blessed are those who hunger, everybody say hunger, and thirst, everybody say thirst, for righteousness, say righteousness. This is important. How many of you have ever, I'm a shoe guy, Believe it or not, I like shoes and I'll do whatever I can. When I get a new pair of shoes, I do everything I can to make sure I don't mess them up. And you know what I mean by that. You get them dirty, right? And so I got some shoes actually for Christmas. And my wife was like, why aren't you wearing your shoes? I'm like, because it's snow outside. And I know for a fact, as soon as I go in the snow, I'm going to get my shoes dirty. No, those are my summer shoes. Okay. Okay. So I think about this. I care about this. Anybody relate, right? When you get a new pair of shoes, especially if they're white or they're clean, right? You want to keep them clean and you don't want them get, to get in, getting scuffed. You don't want people stepping on them, right? You might be walking through a shopping mall or, or you could be going through the halls at school and someone steps on the back of your shoe and you're like, bro. Calvin knows what, exactly what I'm saying, right? You care about it. You want to keep them clean. You wipe, you clean them. You get some dirt on them, you wipe them off, right? You try to keep them fresh. You try to keep them new. But how many of you know, at some point, you get used to those shoes. And they start getting scuffs on them. They start getting some dirt on them. And you're like, that's ah, no, it's fine. And maybe a little bit while later, you, rather than, you know, untying and tying your shoes, you just start sliding them on and sliding them off, right? Mm-hmm. That's a pet peeve of mine, by the way. I always tell my kids, do not do that. Like, they, anyways, I'm a shoe guy. I'm a shoe guy. And then at some point, not only are those shoes now comfortable to you, at some point they actually become less desirable. You, you, you don't wear them on special occasions. You don't wear them uh, at, with your Sunday best, right? They just become normal shoes to you. And then the page flips and they're no longer everyday shoes. Now they're 
lawn mowing shoes. Any guys can relate to this, right? Every year I get a new pair of lawn mowing shoes because they get graduated into the less desirable. And what once was precious, what once was appealing and desirable is now just eh. And this is the nature of everything that is material. This is how it is with everything in this world that is natural. At first, it has your, your gaze. At first, it has your attention. At first, you're involved. You're fully committed. You're all about it. But after a while, it loses its taste. How many of you know that's the way of this world? Everything that is material, everything that is natural, everything that is not Jesus. Amen? The things that this world have to offer, it will never fulfill your soul. I didn't get enough response on that one. Everything that this world has to offer, nothing will fulfill your soul. There is no amount of money that will satisfy your soul. There is no amount of accomplishment that will fulfill your soul. There is no amount of recognition from peers or from others that will fill your soul. There is no amount of preaching. Preaching does not fill your soul. Crowds do not fill your soul. The only thing that satisfies and will feed your heart is him. Okay? There is nothing. You may wonder, I wonder what it would be like to make my first million dollars. Anybody ever dream about that? And I imagine for the few that are able to hit that and have that, that's probably a pretty cool moment until you meet the guy that has 20 million. And now you don't feel so successful. So what do you do? You try for more. And then you get to 20 million and what you feel, oh yeah, now I've arrived. Now I'm at that next level until you meet the guy with 100 million. How many of you know nothing satisfies but him? Nothing. Nothing will satisfy besides him. You know, I, this generation is addicted to recognition from other people. How many likes do I have on Instagram? Oh, if, if I get more likes than this person, then I know people like me. Or why didn't they like my post? Are they mad at me? Yeah. This generation is addicted to recognition and it's plaguing the church. It's plaguing people and it's a performance mindset. And I believe that we all need to take some time and deconstruct a little bit and reconstruct what actually matters in this life. What are the things that actually matter? Just because someone has a following here on earth does not mean that heaven is applauding them. Just because some people, other people say what you're doing is good doesn't mean that God thinks it's good. Amen? I, I, a pastor that I follow, he said, I don't want to be famous on earth. I want to be famous in heaven and famous in hell. And so there is this issue of satisfaction that we all have. 
How can I get more? How can I enjoy life more? How can I have more fun? How can I have more family? How can I have more friends? How can I have more success? There is this issue that we have of satisfaction. And it comes to those, what does Jesus say? Satisfaction will come to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You want to be satisfied, you need to start getting hungry for the right things. We've got a taste for the things that won't satisfy. I got a sweet tooth, a big one. If we, there's a, there's a well-known deal that if your candy is left out on the counter, it is fair game. And I will eat it, right? And there's times where I'll eat it and it's so good in the moment, but 10 minutes later, either I got a stomach ache or I'm still craving food because it doesn't satisfy. Too often we go through life with a desire and an appetite for the wrong things. It's time to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Somebody say amen. amen. And so what is righteousness? If you've grown up in church, you've heard it's right standing with God. That is true. It is right standing with God. To be righteous is to be made right with him and you can stand before him in the right way. I've also heard it is the rightness of God. I like that one. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And I want everybody to see this. If you don't have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. I know we got the scriptures on screen and maybe we're making it too easy for some of you guys. 1 Corinthians, but I want you to see this, verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. says this, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Let's read this again. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who, everybody say who. In other words, this is talking about a person, right? This is talking about the Lord Jesus. It says, who became for us, what? Wisdom. Everybody say, wisdom is a person. Now say, wisdom is Jesus. Are we seeing that? Who became wisdom from God and righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. And sanctification, say sanctification. And redemption. Say redemption. I want us to recognize this. We got to realize this. This is so key. The Lord is not just here in the Beatitudes spewing out topics with the, with the bait of a promise. I think too often we treat the gospel like a give and take. A bait and switch. Come to Jesus and then you get to go to heaven. But I don't even know there's a lot more than that. That's true, but there's more. The Lord's not just spewing out topics and making these promises. Righteousness is not separate from the Lord Jesus himself. How many of you know it's impossible to make yourself clean? Right? You can't do it. 
It's impossible to live in righteousness without Jesus himself. Somebody say amen. amen. And so according to 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says Jesus is our righteousness. He's our righteousness. He is our wisdom. He is our sanctification. And he is our redemption. In other words, let me put it this way. If you have Jesus, you have all of it. We got it? He is all those things. If you have him, you have all things. And so rather than trying to be right and living a life that is based on messing up the least amount as possible, anybody try that one? We've all, many of us have been there. Instead of living that way, this is what I would challenge you to do. This is what I challenge you young people to do. If you can get this, it'll change everything. Live a life that is consumed with the presence of Jesus himself. Just be with him and make that your passion. You want to be satisfied in life. It's not about your career. It's not about who you marry. It's not about your career path. It's not about your family history. It's about the Lord himself. And so if I live a life in the presence of the Lord, what happens? His righteousness becomes mine. Right? And because I'm filled with him, he begins to live through me. And when he lives through me, what happens? I change. I become a peacemaker. I become someone who, when they get slapped in the face, turns the other cheek. I can only do that because of him. I become someone who is meek and humble. I tell people often, I'm like, if I didn't know Jesus, I don't think we'd be friends and I don't think you would like me. Because I'm, I'm, the more I walk with him, the more I realize without him, I'm so shallow. I'm a, I'm a shadow of who he's called me to be. But with him, I have everything that I need. With him, I am made righteous. With him, I'm sanctified. With him, I am redeemed. With him, I have wisdom. Why? Because that's who he is. Amen? And so when we allow the presence of Jesus to fill us, his nature begins to live through you. And because you are in complete communion with him, you would rather die than lose that communion. That sounds extreme, but when you taste of the Lord and you see just how good he is, you don't want to settle for anything less. What's the point if I don't have him? What is, what is, this, what is this for? What am I about? Who am I without him? And because we're in complete communion with him, he brings satisfaction. Let me say it again. Only Jesus satisfies the soul. Whatever other things that you are searching for, they can, they can bring joy for a moment, but nothing will satisfy besides him. So what does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? What does that look like? I'm going to say some challenging things to me too. But it means that when you wake up in the morning, there is a deep desire in your soul to find him.
Maybe you've heard the songs or we've sang the lyrics, you are my all in all. You are my everything and everything. What does that mean? That means everywhere that I go, I look for him. Well, it sounds like you're a little obsessed. Exactly. It means that there's this longing in you. And the more that you tend to those invitations, the more invitations from the Lord that you get to be with him. And I, I heard a quote from Billy Graham. He said, you can see how much you love the Lord by checking two different areas, your calendar and your checkbook. Does that sting anybody a little? Where does your free time go? This is hard. Many of you work 40-hour week jobs so that you can enjoy those off times. But let me just tell you what happens when you taste of the Lord, you want more of him, okay? This is not guilt. This is an invitation. When you taste of him, there is something that hooks you. There is something that draws more to you. Let me tell you, when you give the Lord your Monday, he's gonna ask for your Tuesday. And it's not because he's mean. It's because that's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants to be with you. If you read the first book of the Bible, let's say you were reading through Genesis, you finish Genesis, and he's going to kind of nudge you and be like, you know, Exodus is pretty good too. How many of you know when we sing, in, when we sing worship to the Lord in the morning, there's kind of those plateaus, right, where you'll kind of press in and you'll break through, and then you press in and you break through, and you kind of get to these different levels. How many of you know that is an endless thing with the Lord? There's always another plateau. There's always another breakthrough in front of you if you'll keep with it. He never leaves first. When you have your quiet time in the morning, when you come to church, he never stops first. It's usually us who leave first. Do you guys see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's good to analyze this every now and then and recognize, am I really in love with him? I'm not saying, do I believe in Jesus? I believe most people here believe in Jesus. Are you in love with him? Does he have your heart? Because that's what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who is righteousness? Him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because they are the ones that will be satisfied. Everybody's looking. Everybody's wondering, where can I go? Maybe if I get a good job, maybe if I go to a good college, maybe if I marry the right person, maybe if I have more friends, maybe if I have more followers on Instagram, if I can just get more. Mm -mm. There is nothing that will satisfy your soul besides him. Amen. Jesus rewards the heart that hungers and thirsts for him with satisfaction. How many of you know the Lord wants to bring blessing to your life? But that doesn't, I'm not just talking about material blessings. We just talked about how those fade. When Jesus says, blessed are those, he's saying, blessed are you because I am giving you myself. If you want more of him, Ask the Lord to make you hungry. May we never be satisfied with the place that we're at in our walk with him.
Too many of us are comfortable with the Jesus we know, and there's so much more that he has. That's why he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, how many of you know God doesn't tease us? When you spend time with the Lord, he doesn't give you a little bit and then he's like, psych. He doesn't pull away. No, to the level of your hunger, that is the level he fills. Every Sunday could be the most amazing time if we come with more hunger. Do we come into his presence and just kind of sing a couple songs, greet a few people, hear a good word, feel good, go home. And now I live my life. Or God without you, Jesus without you, I literally have nothing. There is nothing else that satisfies me. Sure, you've created this world with some good things, some things that I can enjoy out of your love for me. How many of you are thankful for good food? Can we enjoy those things? Absolutely. But anything that trumps and becomes more important or more of a priority than him, we're out. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray over you. Zach, can you play? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in us. Praise you, Father. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here. Can we just lift our hands? Let's just begin to bless the Lord and just begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him for his love for you, for his heart for you, that he wants to be found by you. Come on, just begin to bless the Lord. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, I give my heart to you, Jesus. Lord, I want more of you, Lord. Make me hungry, Lord. I'm desperate for more of you, Lord. I've not even scratched the surface of what you have. I've not even scratched the surface of who you are. Lord, there's so much more, Lord, in this world. I've tried it. I've tasted the world, the things that this world has to offer, and none of it satisfies besides you. Lord, you are the cry of my heart. Lord, you are the one that I want. Come on, just begin to call out to him. Cry out to him. Say, God, I'm desperate for you. Make me hungry. Make me thirsty. Just say this with me. Say, Father in heaven, send the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives like never before so that we would love you faithfully, so that we would love you beautifully in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would mark our city
with the fire of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord this morning? Just begin to thank the Lord. Yeah, you can clap, but just begin to say, Lord, you're good. Thank you, Lord. Only you satisfy. Only you satisfy. Let's sing this chorus. Oh, praise the name. Let's just lift our hands. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. Say again. Oh, praise the name.